what what did you do scott you made butane bubbles and lit them on fire <laughs> correct <What>? correct <laughs> correct and so then mike as he said how did you tie that into the lesson i said honestly i didn't even try like, i didn't even <laughs> did not even try it's like this so is we what we're doing is a choose your own adventure morning <laughs> yeah it's i yeah I'm, I'm sick of the kids falling asleep donald how long has it been since we talked to you it's been almost two years no i think it was yeah right at the top of the pandemic wasn't it yeah yeah it's been almost two years i think that's it's about crazy time. i want to talk cool. about the book are we cool with that sure that's what i was going for how did you publish it donald is this did you this pull in the ghostwriters and the editors and everybody? It's been uh, like five years of making. <laughs> it was it was a it was a grueling process. Um, yeah, and I because I, um, I I wrote it, I started writing it, and then the copy wasn't great, and then um, they gave me. Uh, then I started working with my book coach, a friend, and. He helped me to develop it, and because it was re, it was I was writing it like a traditional sales book where you find like, you know, um, here's how to prospect, here's how to do this, um, and then he was like, that's everyone has a book like that already. Can you give something a little bit more, give more context to it based on what's going to be different with Donald? So he was like, tell me about the first thing you sold, and we started going back and doing mind mapping, and I was like, well, um, there was this uh, in Jamaica, I remember trying to sell mangoes. And then we explored that further. And then we were talking about what I was trying to get from that man, you know, I was trying to sell to get it and then how I failed at it. And we just stumbled on it. It was like, why don't you try to do a correlation between the experiences you had then and how people sold in Jamaica, like street stand vendors to B2B selling. So to sell it like a mango concept is like, though you have people selling the same exact product, the same from the same exact region, from the same exact country. Same tree. <laughs> one person could be selling it and be killing it while the other is not and the principles apply to b2b selling so whatever you sell sell it like a mango um, a new seller's guide to closing more deals so that's awesome i love that idea yeah so that's how it is so it's principles and then stories that tie back to it and educate teaching ideas um in it so it's but it's just if i'd gone the first way i was going to do it would have been kind of a little bit more boring but now it's kind of it's not Old Testament excitement, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you just gave our intro. So thanks so much. On this week's episode of the Selling Podcast, we are joined by our friend. This is, you know, that person you just want to be like when you grow up. Well, this is that person to us. He is known. You've probably heard him. And if you haven't, well, then probably you should turn off our podcast and turn on his. He is the sales evangelist. Check him out. I'll have a link in the description below. But not only is he a sales evangelist, he's also gone author. All right, we're recording. With over 50 years and millions of worldwide traveled miles between the two of us, we have tasted defeat and relished in sweet, sweet victory. Looking for inspirational entertainment, motivation, and practical insights to drive your business? Welcome to The Selling Podcast. All of a sudden, we haven't spoken to him in a little while, and he goes author on us. So what we want to talk about today, we want to talk about the book. We want to take, talk about a sales planner. There's so much to get into. On this week's episode, we are joined by Donald Kelly. Donald, welcome to The Selling Podcast. Welcome Guys, aboard. thanks so much for having me. Oh, my I guess, goodness. I'm I guess so welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so looking forward to this. Um, I'm all excited right. to be back in the, in the pocket with you all. 
before we get going, tell us about Fresh Cut Fridays. How do they start? I love seeing it. It it makes my Fridays. <laughs> but I but I have no contextual background for it other than I just love it. So we'll, we'll we have a we we have one that we didn't post before. I did a trip a couple of weeks ago, but um, two weeks coming up, so you can see my afros growing in. So every two weeks we get a haircut, and my son and I um, we took him the first time to the barber shop, and um, you know having your kid like especially in the culture like in the African American culture and just like black culture, but the barber shop it's like a um, it's like a, a thing, and it's like almost like this rite of passage you get to go in. <laughs> You know, go with your dad. I remember going with my cousins, like taking me early on as a kid, and he's sitting and waiting in line for like hours. <laughs> Luckily, we're in the modern day, and I set an appointment and go and get out real quick. <laughs> um, but it yeah, was that like, takes away some of the ambiance, doesn't it? You don't yeah. get a, a chance to sit and talk to everybody. I know, right? Uh, but you know, and, and we and so here's the crazy part with that too. So we did that before. I was doing that before, and um, but then my you know when my son came along was right in the top of the pandemic, and he got to the point where we needed to do his first haircut, and we thought you know let's take a picture of that and posted it, and then I was like man I did hashtags with this, and a lot of people were you know there was like the Fresh Cut Friday because I was like there's got to be some kind of hashtag with that. And search, and lo and behold, there were. Um, and people would post like their pictures or whatnot. And I was like, you know what? I'll post it. I posted it, and then people liked it. And then the second time, and my wife was like, man, this would be a good history. And then several people was like, that would be a good history context. You can, you know, you have programs with like, um, you know, Instagram where you could pull those down or whatnot mm -hmm. and put in like a little book. And yeah, it just started that way and um, just kind of grew. So every two weeks, we get a haircut and take a picture of him and I. And then, you know, fast forward last year, we went to, so in the pandemic, since we started doing that, our barber went to his own private off a studio. So when we go, we definitely don't get the full experience of mingling with a lot of everyone, but um, it's uh, one of those COVID uh, and transitions, but uh, it's a, we have our private little office with them and it's, it's awesome. But um, the, the cool part with this is that, we went to um, Montgomery, Alabama um, about a year ago and did some tours. And we have a picture that I didn't get a chance to post yet, but it was with uh, Martin Luther King's um, in this. It was a, the, the, the stool that he would go to when he get a haircut when he went to Montgomery. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty neat to see that and take a picture with Caleb there and fast forward to the way we are now and the, the advancement coming to society. Um and inclusiveness and all the cool stuff. It was just like cool historical context that we could tie back to our first. That is really cool. Yeah. So. That, that barbershop experience is something truly, truly enjoyable and a little bit magical in a way. The reason is so I was in, I was in Boston one time and went into this, into this barbershop and I was the only white guy, which is fine. <laughs> I sat down and they all just kind of looked around and they said, you here for a haircut? And I said, yeah. And so, but that broke the ice. And then, and then we just had this great, I mean, just a great dialogue. It was fun. The banter going back and forth. I sit down in the chair and the guy looks and he says, all right, so what are we going to do? And I said, oh, you know, just, you know, takes him off the, and he says, you're the first white guy's haircut I've ever cut. And I said, I said, well, then apparently you and I are both in for an amazing experience. Let's get started. 
It's just a great, just a great, there's so much fun, that barbershop experience. Such a great time. That's really cool that you get to spend that with your son. I love yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. There's this, there's like, a, you know, when we went before, like when I was going before, prior to it, you never had a dull moment in the in the barbershop. Like the stories or what people were talking about was just like, sometimes was like cuckoo crazy guys, but sometimes <laughs> different drama. It was just always fun to politics and current events it was always neat so so donald would you ever consider going to a different barber no way um why and and why not why are you so committed to this one barber (laughs) to daniel the barber um (laughs) that's you can find him on instagram um but he uh so i'll tell you the first time i got like i was at i was just came home from school i think it was back in or pretty close to it. My brother was cutting my hair for a couple of years, but then my brother just was like busy and he just couldn't do it. And then I tried cutting my own hair and that was interesting. And I said, I could do this. But then I was like, nah, let's not. I was at Walmart and in a Walmart parking lot there, you know, people put those stupid flyers on your car. And this one flyer was on a car. It was like haircut for like 10 bucks. I'm like, what? That's a deal. It was like a steal. It's like, <laughs> all right, let me go check this out. It was close to the the um the place to the the walmart so i drove over there and said hey i got this flyer 10 bucks can you do a haircut and they're like yeah the guy that was available was this guy named daniel so i was like all right cool so i sat back and i was like um you know i wonder if he can do a good job with me and it was it was like one of those it was like a hardcore spot right you know turns out so daniel went to we were all about the same age he went to high school locally as well and a couple and his friend that owned the shop also went to school locally um so we, you know, we chat about like, you know, our experiences going to high school and different high schools, but just in an area and, and we just started connecting. You did a great cut. Um, so next time it was super easy. Now I'm like, do I have to go to him or go to other people? So I just saw, I went back and connected with him and then it's just been history ever since he moved barbershops. And then I was, I, I was like, oh man. What am I gonna do? And I didn't go back to Walmart like and look for another flyer. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "What? what what's gonna happen?" But then he, um, I was able to connect with him via phone call, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm in a different spot. Come and check it out." So I went and checked it out there. Then um, followed him there. Then he moved to another location. Like a couple of years later, there the whole shop moved, and it was followed him there. And then in COVID, he got the private um, studio. And um, just to be able to help us work with this client um, and followed him there as well. So it's been uh, probably, I don't know, maybe going on 10 years, 11 years with Daniel. So, Mike, do you think we could go the whole podcast just talking to the sales evangelist just about haircuts alone? Just about one haircut. Now, the thing that I'm amazed by, think about if you go all the way back, think about that one little flyer that you found and the loyalty. Yeah. And the business yeah. that that's brought him, because I'm guessing... You've also told other people about Daniel. Yep. Well, well you, ju- you just gave out the, the, the Instagram handle. I yep. mean, now, now, now it's going to be in the show. It has to be in the show. Daniel's flyer. Gonna, he's going to be an internet sensation, and it's all attributable to and you, Donald. Here's the other crazy part to that, too. It's like the things that happen with the barbershops, so tying this back to sales, or like, you know, your, you, the, opportunity, the networking opportunity. Daniel and I were chatting and he was like saying the shop is close to downtown. And he said, yeah, I get a lot of the business folks that come through. And I was like, oh, interesting. Um, and he cuts the mayor's hair. Um, so the mayor, um, we were trying to do some business with the city of West Palm Beach for um, with my podcast production side of our business, the other business. And 
Um, we could speak him to communication specialists. And so he would give me intel on stuff like, you know, this is what's going on. This is what's important to the mayor. He's doing this speech or whatnot and allow me to be able to use that. Um, or so we were, we were supposed to coordinate a time now for me to get to connect with, come to the shop when the mayor's around. Um, and he's going to tell him about me, but anyways, that's, that happens. Um, because All of the those time. connections, right? Yeah. That's a captive All audience. The the yeah. Like, <laughs> the, the mayor's not getting up and walking out on that one. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, All man. Right. So happened to your appointment is right after my appointment. Look, my son. <laughs> By That's the way. Awesome. All right. So tell us what is in Sell It Like a Mango. Why should we all purchase it? Um, because I wrote it, of course. Uh, yeah, <laughs> perfect. All right, now now we move on to the next question. Sell <laughs> um, it like a mango. As a kid growing up, there was this. We had, and if you've ever been to like, you know, uh, you've traveled internationally as well. Yep. Probably both of you, and you've seen some of these countries. They have like little tiendas in the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a basic convenience store. So our family had one, but we sold more of like the commodity staple stuff. The one across the street was our competitor, and they had like a bigger shop, like. They had like toys and stuff there too. Those um, jerks. What was so, their name? Let's put it. Let's put uh, it out I, there. Let's I, take I, it down. <laughs> the family rival went on for a while, but you know you'd still find that he'd go and shop and you buy stuff there, and vice versa, right? So I would go. I remember when I'm going over there at Christmas time, and they had this ninja bike. This guy was on this ninja. Literally was on this bike, and it it had like I don't think it was like remote control, but it had some kind of. Uh, you know, battery operated thing. And I was like, that is cool. I want that. So I wanted to get some money to get that. And um, I had a, we had a mango tree and I remember a couple of weeks before, sometime before, um, and I'm thinking about it now, I was like, how did it work with the seasons? But in Jamaica, they have like a good climate. So they have mangoes all the time, I guess. So we had, um, I picked some mangoes from the tree and my cousins were buying, um, was trying to, you know, eat the mango. They just had me go pick it as a smallest Mm -hmm. kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I was like, man, if people want the mango, maybe I should try to sell it and maybe I can get some money that way. And then I also try to sell cookies. I think that's what it was. Later in the year, I try to sell the cookies. Um, but the point was, either with my both of my selling experience, when I try to sell a mango the first time, guess how many mangoes I sold on that very first day? At three? No, I'm going to say zero. Nothing. Oh. Uh, I was in the front yard and I had, and what happens in most of these countries too, they have a, we have this big, like a metal gate that goes around the property. Um, so I'm behind the gate under the tree, hoping that people would see my mangoes or would want to buy it. And nobody stopped and nobody wanted it. And what I came to realize is, and so the book, as we started sharing this experience with my, my book coach, he was like, Donald, let's explore the story more. What made people successful? Because people were selling mangoes. And yeah, I, we would look at people in the market, like they would be selling the same exact thing. Some people just didn't sit behind their stand. Some people had different chants or sayings that they would do. Some people would position their mangoes in a different way. Some people would come out at different times to sell their mangoes. They would position a different location, maybe next to the bus stop where you have traffic um, or or whatnot. So people were selling the same exact products. However, some were being wildly successful while others weren't. And in my case, I wasn't as successful selling my mangoes. The principles apply with B2B selling, whether you're selling complex software or you're selling office furniture or even selling cars. There, you could sell the same exact product and be more successful than others. And it comes about to those principles. So we broke that down into like 12 different chapters or 10 different chapters in the book highlighting different components or different ideas that made that I've seen that made one mango seller or street cart vendor more successful than another. 
How does this tie into the sales planner? Because after you wrote Sell It Like a Mango, you came out now with the sales planner, which I love this concept. I love this idea. Yeah. You would. I do. I Scott, do. Scott's the consummate planner. <laughs> I'm more of a ready, shoot, aim kind of guy. Well, well, planning is like, is keen and, and dear to my heart. I love it because as, and I talk about this in the book, actually, in Sell It Like a Mango, I was served a, a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And prior to that, I was a wing it person and I had a checklist. So here's a checklist of few things, hang out with friends, go to school, go to beach, go home. Like, you know, the South mm -hmm. Florida life, right? And I realized as I got on a mission, I was like, oh, I can just do a checklist. But they wanted you to follow detailed plans. And I outlined this in the book and talked about how that transformed the way that I came, uh, you know, learning, went into college and so forth. I became more detailed planning. Every single day had some kind of meaningful activities. As I was looking more for something, and my friend's dad, you know, post-college would give me his American Express planner that he got every year, and I loved it. I knew I was going to get that at the end of every year, and it was going to be awesome, and I would use that. And then um, when I came to and started doing more of my sales and trying to do more planning that way, especially more specifically when I started my own business, and I was doing more of my own planning that sense, in that way, I was like, man, there's so many different tasks and categories that I have to do. I want to see if I can find a planner that can help focus towards that. And I couldn't find a planner that was more on, I call it proactive planning rather than reactive. Reactive, what I mean is that sometimes you can, it's, you can just put down things that are almost like checklists again on a schedule. Mm -hmm. like I'm going to do these mm -hmm. things today. However, are those the most meaningful things that you need to do today? And that's when you become more proactive in it. So I started playing with on a sheet of paper where on the one side I would categorize things like what are the most, what are things that I'm doing? So after doing an inventory of my day, I was doing marketing things, podcasting things, sales related things, client things, um, maybe other tasks um, or whatnot. And then I said, well, let's break this down. So I would each, so each day I can put different tasks underneath one of those categories. And then once I've done that, to make sure that I'm doing the things that are going to be the most meaningful and that my day is not just full of podcasting or just full of, um, you know, other <laughs> personal tasks like lunch. <laughs> uh, I need to make sure it was a balanced day. So then I would, once I do that, then I could transform that to my actual schedule, day-to-day -day schedule. So every day now or every hour had a meaningful activity. So I started doing this and I was like, man, how much activities can I, how many activities can I get done in one day? So I started thinking of ways that I can tra tra uh, track that. So we started seeing averages, like, you know, maybe on average, if I do like really, you know, really getting done anywhere from that 15 to 20 meaningful activities in one day. So then therefore, now I can do my averages, what percentage of those activities I got done on a day-to-day -day basis. So then I was using this and I was like, man, well, I need to do one specifically more towards sales. So next version was more towards sales and towards my, gave one to my sales team as beta. And then a client got it and she liked it and got, ordered a bunch for her team. And I was like, well, I guess there's something here. Um, we should put this into a into an actual planner just so I can have it, but also if people want to get it. And we went through uh, Amazon with that. So I might designer design it out. And then we started putting more KPIs in part of it. So what and one of the things that we focus on is more of like um, there's, you know, you're leading, leading and lagging KPIs. And we start in our team, the way in our training process, we focus on 
um, meaningful. We, I can't tell my sales per, uh, per, uh, team to say, come up with five appointments by the end of the day. I mean, you can, but that, that, they can't mm -hmm. pull the lever and then five appointments come. However, they can pull the lever, so to speak, and make X amount of phone calls and do X amount of emails and do X amount of outreach and X amount of following up, which therefore might lead to a certain number of, um, of, uh, of, of appointments. So as we started to track that data in Excel, we said, well, can we put this in a planner? So we started tracking meaningful conversations, goals, or, or meaningful activities, goals, and meaningful conversations, goals, and um, obviously appointment goals from that. And because of, and then at the end of the week, now we can track our, our day. You can track and see how many activities did I do, meaningful outreach, what's my meaningful conversations that I got from that, and then well, how many of those turned into appointments versus how many appointments did I, how many tasks did I have in my day. So then now the seller is able to optimize their performance each day. And that's where the planner is right now. And we put it into a, um, publishing under our TSE arm. Um, so now it's our, it's, it's here. And I want to show you this actually on the desk here. This is one of the beta versions from like, I don't know, maybe 2.0 way back then. Um, so uh, <laughs> this was back uh, 2019. Um, and now it's been evolved into more of a physical book um, that you can get on Amazon. So how do you, how do you set them up to prioritize the different events? Because you mentioned a couple of things, your life events, the normal events, and then sales events. How do you prioritize that? Yeah. Typical well, sales reps. So what we came to, we, we, as we were doing this in the team and we we're analyzing, we we're like, you know, it's, everyone's going to have different categories that they want to focus on. So how can we make it more blanketed that it's going to be simple? So we track, went back and tracked. What are some of the things my business development reps or maybe somebody, a full cycle sales rep should be doing on a day-to-day -day basis? And we said, well, definitely nothing with marketing. They shouldn't do anything with marketing. So cut that category out. Um, what about like administrative tasks? Well, those are good, um, but they're not the main thing they should be doing. So we said, okay, there's five. We came down to five areas. There was one was business development. And what do you do? You're the account executive or the, the actual BDR inside sales teams. Everyone's going to do some kind of business development activity. That's meeting with prospects, uh, making phone calls or whatnot. Anything that's going to lead to business being developed for the organization until they're the client. Then we have another section. Is that pipeline? So pipeline. Yeah, you can call it pipeline. Okay. Um, so any any of those activities that would lead to that. Um, then, and because prospecting is going to take a lot of time for sellers, so we figured, you know, you probably do tons of stuff there, make phone calls, whatever this might be. The next area is working with current clients because we recognize not everyone's going to do that. Some people have CM, uh, you know, client success teams. However, with full cycle sellers, they're probably going to take care of working some kind of interaction with the clients. Or even if it's a seller that doesn't have full interaction, you're going to have to maybe do you know some kind of re get referrals or connect with your clients, see how they're doing, check-ins uh, or whatnot. So we figured that's an important area. The third one is admin. So administrative tasks were, were stuff that you don't necessarily have to do yourself as a seller. However, they need to get done. So such as updating a CRM. I'm fortunate to have an ex executive assistant. So at the end of the day, I do an audio recording of my information and she takes that and update the CRM. And, you know, other sellers may have VAs and it's, you know, we're in this, this aid right now. You can do things of that nature. Um, some have integrations to their CRM to automatically populate or connect with their calls or whatnot. But there's still administrative tasks. Creating proposals um, is, a, is also an administrative task and creating reports that your boss might need or team might need. Those are, shouldn't be main things that take away from your day. 
The other category falls into like trainings or one-on-ones with your team team leader or or whatnot or internal meetings. And then personal, it just doesn't matter who you are, especially in this day and age. Um, if I'm working from home, I got to do laundry today. So on a break, I'm going to run over and put some stuff in the laundry and the wash, or maybe it's going to a dental appointment, or perhaps it's going to get haircut. But all those things are now on my plans so I can have those areas. So the five main categories, again, business development activities should be the bulk of your stuff, current customers or current clients. Then we have um, your administrative task, then other. And I know sometimes so the beautiful thing is that the data could be start to, could start to get tracked, right? Because then now if we see that, you know, Joe has a lot of other, well, Joe is probably making other a catch-all for a bunch of stuff and that's not cool. So we can analyze and start to help them out there. And then the final area is your personal um, within. John, well, who's going to benefit most from this planner? Because everybody I'm sure would benefit. Who's going to be the, who's this most targeted for? Yeah, what we've seen people who have gotten it so far and really enjoyed it have been business development reps, and we've seen account executives and also full cycle sellers um, that have taken part of this um, in the planner so far. All right. In an effort to keep these episodes 25 to 35 minutes, this unfortunately is where we will end. Next week, we pick up talking more about the workbook. We finish up more about the book, and we also talk about how to use LinkedIn effectively. How do you tag people? What does that look like? That's coming up in next week's episode. Thanks again for joining. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you.